Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Acts chapter 18, verse 6. Paul wasn't politically correct. He said, fine, you don't want the gospel? Good. Your blood be upon your own head, but I'm clean. Now, Paul is actually using language from the watchman on the wall, Ezekiel 33. The watchman's job for an ancient civilization was you're on the wall. If you saw an invading army coming, you had a, something like a horn or a trumpet. You had to blow the warning blast. If you warn the people in the city, the invading army is coming and you blew the warning blast, then if they didn't get out, their blood was on their own heads. But the watchman's told, but if you see that invading army and you don't blow the warning blast, their blood is on your head. Wow. And in Acts 20, 26 and 27, the Apostle Paul references this idea. And just flip over there and you can take a peek at it with me. Using this watchman imagery, he says, Acts 20, 26, therefore... Acts 20, 26, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Now, there's comfort at the end of this message, but I'm going to give you a, a moment of discomfort. If you do not faithfully proclaim the gospel, when God gives you open doors, the implication is you're responsible for those people. Wow. Now, I don't think that means everybody you pass by or brush by on the street. But I think it means when God opens a door and it's clear you should proclaim the gospel and instead of swinging, you don't even bunt, you run the other way. I think we need to realize as Christians that God's going to hold us accountable. He wants us to be faithful to proclaim the truth. And if we love people, certainly we will do that. We will want to share the gospel. And so he said, I'm going to the Gentiles, guys. You don't want to listen? And he departed from there, and he went to the house of a certain man named Titius Justice. He was a worshiper of God here, a Gentile, probably connected to the synagogue. And his house was conveniently located, would you notice? Right next door to the synagogue. So Paul <laughs> brushed off, okay, fine, I'm going to the Gentiles. And he said, uh, oh, Titius, thank you for the invitation. Where do you live? And he said, right there. Paul went, cool, let's have a sandwich and some chips and we'll talk, right? And so he was right next door to the synagogue. But what do you think the Jewish opponents of Paul were thinking? Right, right next door. Perfect place to evangelize people going in and out of the synagogue. There's Paul. And by the grace of God, he has set up shop. And look at what happens. And Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, verse 8, believed in the Lord with all his household. Now he's got the leader of the synagogue converted. Sometimes you, you preach to somebody and you think, oh, they'll never get saved. And the leader of the synagogue, things began to stir in him and he became a Christian. You, don't, you never know. You watch somebody and you think, ah, oh, they're fighting it, they're resisting it. Well, Crispus started thinking about his soul. And he said, you know what? I think Jesus is the Messiah. And their leader, get this, the leader of the synagogue becomes a Christian. Amazing. 
he and his household believe in the Lord. Many Corinthians are being baptized. They're believing and being baptized. Verse 8. And you had to think that Paul went to bed that night just having a personal party. This is awesome, Lord. But you know what? He wasn't. As a matter of fact, he went to bed that night. And apparently, he was considering a new career. Because you can see it's implied from the words that will be shared. See, that night it says, The Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. I think Paul had a crisis here. You you might say, but he was successful. Things were going wonderfully. That was the problem. Paul began to see a pattern emerging. And it was something like this. Yes, people are getting saved. Some are rejecting. Some are getting saved. But you know, the people who reject, they tend to do something. And it's very personal to me. They make the messenger their target. And guess what? I'm the messenger. And he went to bed that night and he was having a restless night. And here's the third point for you who have been taking notes. The encouragement of faithful friends, the encouragement of tangible support. Number three, the encouragement of Christ, the best of all, the Lord. And when Luke uses the Lord, he means Jesus here, said to Paul in the night by a vision, don't be afraid. R. Kent Hughes comments. He says, what was getting the apostle Paul down? Like the Old Testament prophet Elijah Paul had been under excruciating tension for a long time, and he was losing his ability to rebound. Elijah took a nosedive after the heart-thumping tension of his encounter with the priests of Baal, followed by Jezebel's threats. And Paul was similarly reeling from his multiple encounters in recent months. He probably had not had sufficient time to recover from his beating. He was tired And now facing the depressing moral ambience of Corinth, Paul had given way to fear and discouragement. Even though he was experiencing spiritual success, that may seem rather strange until we realize success is what he feared. After all, past successes had led to his own personal persecution. For Paul, the immediate future was perfectly predictable, close quote. In other words, Paul saw what was happening and said, I know what's next. I know that a beating is coming my way. This is the pattern that emerged in Paul's life. And Paul, implicit in the text, implied in the text, is afraid and he's considering not preaching the gospel anymore. And I think he may have come to the Lord and said something like this, Lord, Am I doing the right thing here? Is this where you want me to be? I would like some sort of tangible evidence that I'm pleasing you and that you're with me because I think I'm going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be a mob at the door and I don't know if I can go through this again. Help me. You ever been there before? You ever been at the end as a believer and said to the Lord, maybe in a moment of honesty, even though you don't want to say it, Lord, I don't know if I can live the Christian life anymore. I hear sermons about what we should be doing and I don't do it. As a matter of fact, there's not even things stirring in my heart to do it. 
And I go from degrees of difficulty, and I'm not sure I can continue. Lloyd Ogilvy writes insightfully. He says, I've learned this repeatedly in my own life. When my strength is depleted, when my rhetoric is unpolished by human talent, when I am weary, the Lord has a much better tool for empathetic, sensitive communication. The barriers are down. When I know I can do nothing by myself, my poverty becomes a channel for his power. More than that, often when I feel I have been least efficient, people have been helped most effectively. It's taken me a long time to learn that the lower my resistances are and the less self-consciousness I have, the more the word of God can come through me. Close quote. And Paul wrote back to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 12, and he said, when I'm weak, then I am strong. And I'll tell you, as someone who regularly gets platforms to preach, I don't like it. I don't like having to face my own weaknesses so that the power of God can flow through me. I would like to feel completely self-confident and strong every time God opens a door and know that I could just do it because I have the gifts and the tools and the personal abilities, but the fact is I feel inadequate and unqualified to do pretty much any ministry. And that's exactly where God wants me. And I have learned something, and it's taken me a while to learn it too. And I have to keep learning it over and over again that when I'm weak I'm actually the most usable I can be for God and Moses said to God you want me to go who am I that I should go and deliver your people out of the land of Egypt who am I to go to Pharaoh and God said here's the one thing you need to know Moses I am with you That's all you need to know. And you might be thinking, well, I read those verses, and of course there is wonderful encouragement. The Lord says to Paul, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. But what's the answer? Why should I believe that or embrace that? Here's the answer, verse 10, for I am with you. That's all you need to know, Paul. The most emphatic promise in the Bible is Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. It says, the Lord will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you, so that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. Whom shall I fear? What will man do to me? You see, this is the story of theophanies in the Bible. Whenever God appears to a wondering, staggering servant, God says, here's all you need to know. I am with you. Would you please turn to the book of Joshua? We'll do a couple of Old Testament passages, come back to our text and we're done. I want you to go to Joshua, the next book after the first five of Moses. Transfer of leadership happening here. Joshua has been the sidekick of Moses, faithful as he was, and now Moses is gone and leadership now transfers to Joshua. And he's got to be wondering, Lord, am I the guy? Can I really do what Moses did? And Moses would say uh, to the people along with Joshua, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid or tremble at them. This is Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. 
Verse 8 says, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Look at Joshua 1. Look at verse 5. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Joshua 1, 5. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give the pe- this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Why do you think God keeps repeating this? Because Joshua doesn't feel strong. Because he's wondering if he's, if he's the guy. Be careful to do according to all the law, which my, Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Am I not the one that sent you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Turn to the book of Isaiah. I want you to see what God says to the nation of Israel. In chapter 40, they're wondering, has God left us? Why are we facing all these difficulties, invasions, and threats? Isaiah 40, verse 29. God says to his people, through Isaiah, he gives, 40, 29, strength to the weary. To him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths, Isaiah 40, verse 30, grow weary and tired, Vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Look at Isaiah 41, verse 10. God says, do not fear, 41.10, I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will, will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let me ask you, are you a person, go to Isaiah 43, who struggles with your list of fears? Do you, have a fi- do you have the ability, the uncanny ability to find a way to turn positives into negatives? Can you go before the dinner party begins and say, I know, I just know something's going to go wrong. Do you look at your career, your company, your relationships? Do you have weeks of smooth sailing and say to yourself, I know the hammer's going to drop. I know it. It's coming. Life can't be this smooth for this long. Something bad is bound to happen. And what we don't realize is that the Lord wants to bless us. He wants us to find strength in our walk with Him. And oftentimes we're looking around for something bad to happen and we almost want to manufacture something bad so we can be uh, assured that our fears are are well-founded. Watch the news. Watch the first five reports on the news and you can have all your fears confirmed. Yeah, the nation is messed up. The world's messed up. The church needs help. Our friends need help. There's things going on that will make you shake your head every night. But there's one constant. I am with you. I'm on the throne. I'm the one that called you. I'm the one that made you. I'm the one that's going to finish what I started in you. So stop looking anxiously around. 
And get your eyes refocused on the author and the perfecter of your faith. Do you believe it? You see, this is the issue, and it happened to Paul. And it gives me great hope. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place, since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored, and I love you. I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. And then the next book is Jeremiah, one more. Look at chapter 1, verse 6. Jeremiah is called by God. He's young, and he's questioning God's call. And he starts with, in verse 6, the word alas. Jeremiah 1, 6. The word alas speaks of astonishment mixed with pain. It's something like this. Oh, no! Or, oh, no! No, 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 Lord. Alas! He says, Behold, Jeremiah 1, 6, I do not know how to speak. I'm a youth. But the Lord said to him, Do not say I'm a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand, and he touched my mouth. The Lord said to me, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. Don't worry about it. I made the mouth. I'll take care of you. you know, some of you have come to the Lord in, uh, later in life and God's restored many different things. Go back to the book of Acts. We'll, we'll read the last part. Uh, retention. Some of you are still praying for more retention. A hunger for the word of God. Maybe you never read before. Now you can't get enough. You find yourself reading and studying. This is what God does. He has the ability to to restore to you what the locust has eaten. It's the ability to give us back what we thought was lost. And so Paul is told by the Lord, I'm with you. Verse 10, no man will attack you in order to harm you. See, that's what Paul was fearing. He thought he was going to be beat up and even killed by many people in this city. And he settled there, verse 11 He settled in Corinth a year and six months, 18 months, teaching the word of God among them. Paul finally settled. He always had a suitcase packed. Now he got to settle for a while. He got to hang out with these people. But it didn't always, it wasn't always smooth sailing the whole time because while Gallio was pro-council of Achaia, Gallio was the famous brother of uh, the well-known philosopher Seneca from Rome, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat of the Bema. And they said, this man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And Paul thought, probably here we go again. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrong or a vicious crime, O Jews, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if there are questions about words and names in your own law, 
Look after it yourselves. I am unwilling to be a judge of these matters. And he drove them away from the bema or the judgment seat. Paul was about to give a defense. And the judge, God used Roman law. (laughs) This is like the fourth point. Can you imagine the court system actually defending you? It can't happen. Here it is. I'm not going to deal with this. Guys, get out of here. And so Paul probably was a little astonished and he watches the Jews. There's a variant reading in the King James and New King James. It says the Greeks, but I think the, it's safe to say it's the Jewish mob here. They, 17, final verse, all took hold of Sosthenes. He's the leader of the synagogue. He's the replacement for Crispus, apparently. And they began beating him in front of the judgment seat. Apparently, Sosthenes, is the synagogue leader, was supposed to make a case against Paul. And he didn't make it very well, or apparently he was too sympathetic. And so when the Jews realized that Gallio was kicking him out, they turned to the guy representing them. And they started pounding on him. Can you imagine Paul? He's standing there, and they were beating him before the judgment seat, but Gallio was not concerned about any of these things. And Paul was probably off to the side thinking, finally, somebody else is getting beat up. This is great. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. He probably didn't do that. And you know what's amazing? Final thought for you. In 1 Corinthians 1.1, when Paul writes back to Corinth, he writes along with his brother, Sosthenes. Apparently, this guy, who was also a synagogue leader, became a Christian. I think it may have been an immediate conversion if my Jewish brothers are going to beat me up, Paul, tell me more about Christ. You can relate. And Sosthenes also became a Christian. You see, don't be afraid. You might be going through your fearful times, but he says, I am with you. Would you bow your head and heart? Father, thank you so much for the word, its truth, its unvarnished reality its hopefulness, its light, teaching us so many powerful lessons about the weakness of our humanity and yet the strength of our God. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now there are some here who have been trying to muster up the strength of themselves. And at one point that becomes a fruitless effort and we, we realize that when we come to the end of ourselves, that's where you begin. If you're here and you've not met Christ, he died on the cross for you and he loves you. But you must trust in him. You can't resist the gospel. You can, but it's not wise. Trust in him. It's something like this. And if it's you, don't let anything stop you from coming to Christ right now. Something like this. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Say it to him if it's you. Thank you that you rose from the dead. I trust you as my personal Savior and my Lord. Please make me your child. Lord, for those who are crying out, maybe they couldn't get the words out, but they're saying that prayer in their hearts. May you bless them with the sweetness of your presence. May you bless the Christian who was right on the verge of giving up today, hanging up the cleats. And they were thinking these thoughts, and today was custom made for them because you had a word, 
And your word was, don't be afraid. Keep speaking. Don't be silent. I'm with you. Lord, may you encourage the precious saints who are fighting the good fight to keep fighting and trusting that you'll meet them right where they are in the ups and downs of this world. That we would run the race knowing that you are encouraging us to the finish line. That you'll give us the strength to run it as you would have it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, this is Pastor Michael Lance. So glad you're listening to Living Truth Radio, and I have the privilege today of sitting with my oldest son, Shane Lance, and he's the worship director at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And Living Truth Radio is an extension of this church fellowship. Shane, uh, we have a concert coming up that I wanted to give you a moment to talk about here on the program. And uh, this is a concert that is an outreach event for the church. Tell us about what's going on. Give us the date. And uh, maybe we talk a little bit about what's going on with your music as well. Yeah, we have a concert coming up on September 10th. Um, here at Living Truth, uh, which is located in Corona, and uh, we're just off the intersection of River Road and Lincoln Avenue at uh, Arsenal Way, which is the address is 1009. And uh, the event's going to be Saturday, September 10th. It starts at 7 p.m. The doors open at 6.30 p.m., and we do suggest they get here early because we expect it to be uh, pretty crowded. Um, and it's a free night of worship, a free concert. Um, it's going to be a really cool time. A good friend of mine named Abiv, he's a solo artist from uh, Temecula. He's going to be out uh, he just released a, a new album and it's uh, fantastic. And so he's going to be out playing. Um, my band's going to be here. And uh, hey, what style of what style of music does the Beef play? A Beef is like R and B music. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and your band? How would you categorize your band? Uh, we're like indie rock meets uh, contemporary worship. So, okay. Yeah. And uh, you, you, I kind of cut you off there, but you mentioned Four All Seasons. Yeah, Four All Seasons is the headliner for that night, and they uh, they've actually are in the process of getting signed to a record label and God's doing a lot of really cool stuff through their music and um, they played at Spirit West Coast and uh, Fish Fest this past uh, year and so doing a lot of really cool stuff with music and so they're going to be out as the uh, the main artist that night and it's going to be just a really cool time. This is a neat outreach night, Shane, because music is something that does appeal to people and even non-Christian people seem to enjoy Christian music. A lot of non-Christians actually listen to Christian preaching as well. Um, on this night, we'll have the three bands, and all the bands um, are excellent, and uh, I'm a little biased, but your band is excellent as well. And um, we're going to also preach the gospel that night. We're going to give people an opportunity to respond to what the substance of the music is. The music is really about coming to know Jesus and, yeah. and coming to know the power of God and a relationship with Him. So if a person uh, would like to come out that night, they can know that if they bring, for example, an unsaved friend, uh, the gospel will be preached that night. It's a great opportunity for that. Um, ultimately, that's the the heart behind the event is not to stimulate people's senses or to leave them feeling really entertained. Um, we want to entertain people, and we are going to put on a good show, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But um, it's not about that. Um, it's about getting the gospel out to as many people as we can. And 